0: Turn in your Bible to First John chapter three. We've been doing a study in First John for a couple of years now, <laughs> or it feels like that. <laughs> okay. And uh, we finally got to chapter three, and we are going to be looking at verse three, hallelujah. Uh, I don't know how long we're going to be sitting on this verse. Um, and you know, one of the things that I know about this epistle is that this is the apostle, they couldn't kill. This is that apostle. Amen. And I want to know what he had to say. And that's the reason why we're looking at this so closely. Because, you know, one of the things that I've found is that the the more mature you are, the more you see into what is being said. There's a lot of insight here. And, you know, I just believe that if we know what the apostle John knows, then we'll become like him. We'll become that person that, you know, like Jesus said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. I pick it up. Amen. That we'll have control over everything, including when we go home. Hallelujah. Do you all want that? I want that. You know. (laughs) So let's begin in 1 John chapter 3. What I might do is just uh, read a part of verse 1 because this all ties in together where the Apostle John, remember again, said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And uh, in verse 2, he went on to say, Beloved, now, We are children of God. He was saying, listen, not only are we called children of God, right now, we are His children. That is a present truth. Amen? And that comes with benefits, by the way. And it says, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. He he said, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. Hallelujah. Now, we went and looked at what like Him meant in Revelation and so on and so forth. So we're not looking at all that today. But notice he says, for we shall see him as he is. And then verse 3 goes into saying, we understand why he says this. He says, and everyone who has this hope in him. That's why we had to take some time looking at what he's like. That's our hope. Do you understand? We're going to be like that. Okay, that's what we're headed for. He says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, in other words, as God's own children... The hope of becoming just like him at his return should be the driving force that causes us to purify ourselves here and now just as or in the same way that he is pure. Did you get all of that? Okay. See, that should be our driving force because, see, one of the problems that we have is when we don't think well of ourselves, we just think, well, why bother? This is how the enemy defeats us. You know, he shows us a future that has no hope. He shows us a future that, well, you know, you're going to be like this for the rest of your life. Why bother? Have you noticed? I'm going to use an example here. Have you noticed, you know, when you're at work? I've used this example before. I think it's a good example, so I'm going to use it again. So I'm sorry about that. All right. <laughs> okay. You have heard this before. Okay. You know, You know. You, if you're working, you plan a holiday, it's interesting, you know, as soon as you begin that planning process, as soon as you know that this is not where you're going to be the whole time, that you're heading off to some sunny beach somewhere, palm trees or whatever, suddenly there's a little bit more of a dance in your step. Because you get, every day you get closer to that. Do you understand? And so it's, you know, and I've seen that, you know, when I was, when I was working in, um, uh, in, in a government department that I worked in for quite a while, um, you know, I, I could see people walking in and they, their countenance would change as soon as they're going to go on holidays and especially if they were going overseas or doing something like that. You know, they'd just be happier all the time and you'd think, who is this person? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you know? and, and it's amazing how they just talk about, you know, they're going to be going here and they're going to be doing this. See, their mind is somewhere else now. And that, and the whole demeanor changes. No longer are they sucking on lemons, you know, and they're going to come to work in blue Monday. and you know. Okay, none of that. It's funny how suddenly it's like two weeks to go, one week to go, three seconds to go. You know? <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm trying to say. It just, do you understand what the Apostle John is saying? If we have something to look forward to, and we know it's true, that person knows they're going on vacation. They paid for it. We know we're heading there. Jesus paid for it. It's all paid for. Amen. That's where we're headed for. That's what the Apostle John says. Listen, if you truly know this, if you take this to heart, if you truly believe, then you will change the way you live. And we're going to look at that today. You know, what does this mean? And notice he says here, he says, everyone who has this hope in him, that's her as well, okay, purifies himself or herself just as, all right, which means in the same way that he is pure. That is huge. Now, when I first read this, I thought, yeah, pure, you know, we need to be pure, we need to be pure and moved on. Then I asked the question, what, is, what does it mean to be pure? Not what we think purity means. What does God think purity means? Are we interested in that? Okay, we're going to have a look at that today. Now, all of this, before everybody starts becoming self-righteous, <laughs> okay? We going to be really careful about this, okay? All of this hinges on what the Apostle John already said in the, in the first chapter, in verses 7 and 9. Remember, this is all a part of the same epistle. Amen? So what I want to do is go back to those two verses, remind you of them. I won't preach on them. I'll just remind you of them. Okay? That's where the Apostle John said, first of all, in 1 John 1 and verse 7, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light. So that's the first thing. Remember, we need to walk in the light. You all remember that? Okay. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do you begin to understand the purity he's talking about? where we how we can walk in this even though we keep falling all and stumbling all the time are you all here okay so we're not talking about living a perfect life and whenever we miss it first John one nine. if we do step out of the light and do something naughty everybody goes well i'd never do that okay all right <laughs> all right fair enough We'll talk to you about lying later. (laughs) Verse verse 9 says, if we confess, that literally means acknowledge our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all. Again, all unrighteousness. Do you understand that means that there is not a trace of unrighteousness left behind? When you acknowledge your sin, that's what happens. A miracle takes place on the inside of you. No matter how badly you sin, okay? No matter how heinous the crime was, so to speak. Don't do anything bad, please, okay? Don't test this. All right. But no matter what it was, okay, God will wipe it clean. To where the devil can't point to anything, all he can do is lie. See, this is the reason why whenever condemnation comes at you, the Apostle Paul said in Romans, I think 8.1, he says, Now there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now he did go on to say that who walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh. Okay, so do that please. All right, but you need to understand that the reason there is no condemnation is because of this verse. The reason that we can walk in the kind of purity that the Apostle John is talking about is because of this verse. Not because we need to be perfect. But can I just say this? We need to be honest. Can I get amen on that? We need to be honest. We need to be humble. Yes, we did make a mistake. Oh, no, brother, that's just a different... No, 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 you made a mistake. Okay, it's funny how society excuses things today. And just because you excuse yourself doesn't mean God's going to go... I didn't see it like that oh yeah sure okay yeah no no that's only in your head (laughs) okay all right hey man if it's wrong it's wrong (laughs) amen and the quicker you confess it the quicker you are restored the less time the devil has to mess with your life did you get that amen so honest humble quick to repent you're there Okay, that's what this is all about. And notice again, he says that we need to confess our sin. That part is important in this process because we're going to talk about some things and you're going to think, oh, dear God, I don't think I can do that. Listen, whenever you trip, whenever you fall, remember these verses. Amen. Amen. Do your best to walk in the light. But if you don't, (laughs) there's a way to get back in the light. Do it quickly. Amen. All right. Now, as to the mindset that is necessary to begin this journey. That's best brought out in what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And that is if then you were raised with Christ. Were you raised with Christ? Yes. yes amen. All right. He says, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. You have been raised. Can I just say this? You have been raised together with him. You are right now at the right hand of God. That's the position that you begin your um, battle from. Whatever battles that you're facing, don't ever think you're down here, you're this little pawn, and there's God on one side pulling you one way, the devil on the other side pulling the other way, and you're like, oh dear God, I don't know what to do. Don't ever do that. That is bad thinking. Amen? See, we need to, we need to approach every battle from a place, a position of authority from a place that is at the right hand of God. Amen? You might think, well, I don't feel that way. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter how you feel. That's the fact. Just like some days you wake up and you don't feel married. You're still married, your wife will remind you. With a stick if necessary. But, you know, we don't care how you feel. All right? Okay. What's true is true. Amen. Other way as well, by the way, ladies. Okay. verse. Two, uh, I'm equal opportunist. All right. Verse two, <laughs> All right. And notice this in verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So watch this now. Jesus is saying, listen, there is a worldly way of doing things. There is a worldly wisdom down here. Or oh, the Apostle Paul is saying this. But I want you to notice he says, but there is a heavenly way of thinking as well. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of heavenly way that makes you know earthly good. Okay, not that kind of thing. That's dumb, all right? I'm talking about thinking in these terms. Thinking in terms of who you belong to. What help is there? What resources are at your disposal? I told you as children of God, you know, remember your citizens, your ambassadors of Christ. There's a lot going for you. All of heaven is standing there waiting for you to say something that can do something. Amen? And that's the reason why it is so important that we speak positively. James is going to talk about this in a minute as well. Let's get let's get to those. And I love verse 3, so I can't go past it. He says, for you died, meaning that the old you no longer exists. Only the memory of it and what it used to be like. Which is what the devil will try to play on. Right. Don't let him. Amen? And says, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's where your life is now. It's not out there for anybody to come and take. You know how some people have this idea of, well, you know, today we're here, tomorrow we're gone. You know, we never know. The Apostle John didn't need to. He decided. He says, you want to live that way? Live that way. I'm going to decide. Amen. And so can you. If you want. This is all up. You might say, well, I don't believe that. Well, it's not for you then. Amen. Oh, you're not there yet. Hallelujah. Okay, I'll get you there if you just hang. All right. (laughs) Okay. But I want you to also understand something, that your life is hidden, notice, with Christ in God. Which tells us something, the devil can't get to you until he gets past both of them. And he never will. Can I give you insight? Okay, that, that he never will. The only thing that we can do is climb out. Amen. A lot of Christians do that. Man, they climb out and they get in trouble. Then everybody says, well, I thought he was a good Christian. What happened? He climbed out. All right, so what then qualifies as living what I've called the high life? Okay, the life which sets its mind on things above. Are you with me? All right, the best example of this kind of life and thinking is what is brought out in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. No, we're not going to study the whole three chapters. Everybody's, okay, it's high relief there. All right, commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. You all know that? Remember, that's when Jesus trained up his disciples. And it's very interesting. He had to change a lot of their thinking. So what are we talking about here? All right, let's go. Let's look. Are you ready? This, this, this is going to be a little challenging. All right, okay. This is again where Jesus taught his disciples. Among other things, he taught a lot of things there what true righteousness, holiness, and therefore true purity was all about. Now, let's begin in Matthew chapter 5. I'm just going to hit some a few high points, okay? Because it's all good, all right? Uh, but I want to start in verse 20, because I think this is what would have rattled the disciples' brains the most, okay? <laughs> Matthew 5 and verse 20, Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness Exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I can just see all the disciples. You say what? <laughs> you know, because the the scribes and Pharisees were meant to be the the epitome of uh, perfection, so to speak. Except for Matthew. Matthew knew better. You know, remember, you know, the tax collector. I reckon he just knew what was going on there, which is very interesting. He's the one that records the whole Sermon on the Mount. You know, none of the other disciples did it. But he thought, this is good stuff. This is all the stuff we've been thinking wrong. I always knew this. You know, one of those moments. And here he is. I like this guy. That's why when Jesus said, follow me, he goes, right now I'm coming. See you later. Bye. Took Pete three times. Took Matthew one time. Just saying. The guy recognized hypocrisy when he saw it, and he also recognized the genuine article when he saw it. And he saw a genuineness in Jesus, and he was willing to leave everything and follow him. Wow, I think that's extraordinary. Anyway, so anyway, following this shocking statement, Jesus begins to reveal to them where real purity begins, not in the outward actions, but in the inward thoughts. Now, that, of course, does not mean... (laughs) okay, because I know people who go down this road, that your actions are not important. They are important, okay, because the Apostle uh, James, remember the half brother of Jesus? Wouldn't you better? Okay. He said, but do you, uh, in James 2.20, excuse me, he says, but do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Because there's a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, you know, they they talk a big, let me put it this way so I don't hit anybody. They talk a big talk but they don't back it up with their actions. Can I say that? And leave it? Okay. However, <laughs> I'm being very kind to you right now. In order, to, in order to be rewarded for our good deeds, it is vital that our hearts and motives, and therefore our heart motivations, okay, are pure before God. Do you understand? This is the purity Jesus is talking about. This is the purity the apostle John is talking about. Okay. And so Jesus begins in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. I'm just going to read a little bit here and there. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Meaning that that was the conventional way of thinking. I mean, we all think the same thing, don't we? Okay, all right. And that's what everybody believed. All right. And so Jesus now goes on to totally challenge this way of thinking. By going to say the next verse, all right? He says in Matthew 5.22, But I say to you, notice the first thing you have heard that it was said, and now notice the but I say to you. Are you getting this? You heard. This is what they told you. I'm telling you something different now. Okay, so <laughs> I can just see the, the di- dis- disciples going, "Whoa, you're changing this on us. He says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. I want you to notice those little words without a cause. Okay, all right. He says, shall be in danger of the judgment. So I want you to notice he's talking about anger now. All right. Now there is a righteous anger. Remember Jesus was angry because remember how they were, this is the cause he's talking about. I want to define cause by the way. Remember when he went into the, the, the temple and they were selling and everything else, and he was angry at what was going on there because they were defiling God's house. Remember that? He said, This is a house of prayer. You know, this is my father's house. It should be a house of prayer. And he just overturned the tables, blah, 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 blah. He was angry. Okay, he was angry, but that was a righteous anger. That was with a cause. Do you get that now? Do you understand cause now? Okay, if there is a reason to be angry because something, so, something is going on that is ungodly, that, that is just wrong. Can I say that? You put everything else you want in there. It's just wrong and you know it's wrong. You can be mad at something. That doesn't mean that you can get mad when somebody does something bad to you. We'll see that in just a minute. That's coming up next. <laughs> okay, <coughs> excuse me. All right, yeah. So, but for the moment, I want you to understand the cause he's talking about is a godly cause. All right. And so he says... He's, so notice that he says here now, if you're angry, it doesn't matter if you haven't... See, he's tying this in with murder. In other words, he's saying if you behave this way, if you have anger in your heart, it's as far as God's concerned, you're committing murder in your heart. Are you all with me? And so he's saying, listen... It's not about the outward act. It's about what's going on on the inside. In other words, check what you are thinking, what you are feeling. Somebody once said a while back, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? How when somebody does us wrong, we take them into the torture chamber of our mind. And we just let them have it. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, you know what? And you think, well, there's no harm in that. Guess what? I just burst your bubble, sunk your ship, tipped your boat. Or your cow? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Notice he's saying, if you think about this, you're already committing the sin. Do you know why? Do you understand that works on the positive as well? Because God sees what's going on on the inside before you ever do it. He sees the intention of your heart. That's why the Apostle Paul, I believe, was the one that said, "God bless them for their good intentions." Listen to me, man. It works. It has to work both ways. If God sees that you're going to do something bad, okay, and there's a judgment that comes with that, then also when you plan to do something good, and if you never got to it but it was your heart's desire to do something good, guess what? You get rewarded for it. You can't be judged on one side and not be rewarded on the other side. Can I get amen? That's a happy amen. Okay. So every good you know, uh, uh, intention that you had, realize something, God bless you for it. Whether you did it or not, as far as he was concerned, it was done the moment you had that intention to do it. Amen? No, you know, if it is, don't play games with God now. Just say, okay, God, I'm really intending, but I won't do it. But I'm (laughs) really, no, no, That see, he can see through all of that. Okay, you can't play funny business with God. He knows what you're really thinking. And that's where we're talking about. What's really going on on the inside of you. God can see what's really going on in there. And you'll be blessed for it. Or you'll be judged for it. Amen. All right. Remember again, we're talking about purifying ourselves the way that he is pure. Okay? All right. So, I've said you. in other words, just because you don't do anything on the outside that incriminates you, does not mean that you will be held accountable and be judged by God for what's going on on the inside of you. Further, this is further confirmed by what Jesus goes and say in verses 27 and 28. Let's jump a few verses down. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of all, here it comes again. You shall not commit adultery. Everybody's going, yeah, what's wrong with that one? Okay. <laughs> you can just, you can just imagine. I want you to be sitting where the disciples are right now. Jesus opens his mouth and he's starting to say stuff. It's just like their curly hair is going straight. Their straight hair is falling off. Some of it's getting curly. I don't know. Okay. It is just shocking them. Amen And so you know he's, 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 you, you really need to we just read this, but you need to understand that we're hearing this for the first time. And so he says this statement, you have heard that it was said uh, to those of old I mean Matthew 25 uh, excuse me five and verse 27, "You shall not commit adultery." And then he says, "But I say to you He's like, oh, Jesus, now what? He says that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, man. Now, can I just pull this apart a little bit? Because all the men are now sweating. I can see. I can see. Okay, I can put the air conditioner on now if you want. All right. <laughs> all right. Notice the little phrase to lust. Okay. <clears throat> Looking, see, I see some people. Don't look! Oh, okay, well, come on. Okay, you know, you know, like, you're gonna be tri- tripping over everything. Listen, man, he didn't say it's a sin to look. He said it's a sin to look to lust. You all know what that means? Yeah. I, I'm not drawing your picture today. <laughs> Draw your own. Okay, all right? But you understand the difference? You can look at someone and go, that's really pretty. But if you go any further than that, in your mind, we don't only have torture chambers in there, we have other things as well. Other chambers. Can I just say that and leave it there? Okay, if you go to that chamber, now we've got a problem. Because God's seeing something going on there. Are you getting this now? Do you understand Jesus is challenging the way they are thinking? He's saying, I don't care what it looks like on the outside, what's going on inside? What's happening on the inside of you? That's, because that's where God sees. All right. So, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. Okay. Disciples are probably sweating now and they're thinking, oh, it's hot and everything. You know, verse 43. Can we go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43? He starts up again with, you have heard it was said. I know that this was going, now what? You know, I don't know if I want to hear this. He said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I can just hear one of the disciples thinking, Oh, man, come on, Jesus. We're good with this one. Oh, come on, don't all look all sanctified at me. We like to like our friends and we like to hate our enemies. It's a thing. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. And he now goes, uh, Here it comes again, verse 42. But I say to you, No, 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 don't say to us. If we don't know, we won't be held responsible. Stop talking. <laughs> I, you come on! I, I'm sure. What Pete? At, at least Peter thinking. Don't say it. Don't say it. I got a few people, you know. <laughs> and then the Sons of Thunder, James and John, you know, the two dudes that said, "Well, they didn't invite us to our village. Burn them up, God. Kill them. Bring fire down from heaven." Jesus, they were trying to help him, not kill him. Are you all with me? These guys are sitting, listening, and he says, "Love your enemies." No. Then he says, bless those who curse you. No, again. Do good to those who hate you. Come on, man. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. No, I want to go kill them. I'll repent later. Okay? And I'm sure I'm doing everybody a favor. Just saying. Doesn't work. (laughs) Now you know, now you're in trouble. Okay, so... Notice he's, <laughs> he is totally changing everything. Do you know why he's doing this? You see, you want some insight? I'll give you some insight. In the Old Testament, there were slaves. They were not born again. They didn't know how to walk by faith, not by sight. It was meant to be done, but they didn't have a recreated spirit. It was very difficult for them to do anything. There is coming the time. Jesus is starting to teach us. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Those things which he says shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Same thing when you pray. <laughs> okay, is the next verse. And then he says, and if you have any, ought against anyone, forgive them. You're watching this now. He is clearing our heart out. Because depending on what's there... It will depend on what mountains are moving and what mountains are staying. You no longer have the right to hate your enemies because hatred can't move mountains. Whatever problem you have in your life, if you're hating, you can't walk in that mountain-moving power of God. Do you know why? Because hate's in the heart. So is faith. Sounds the same thing, but they're not. Okay? Hate or faith. Okay? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? You, and the only way that you can move mountains is to clear your heart out, forgive everybody of everything, but I don't want to forgive them. No, no, don't think about it like that. You think about how much do you want what you need? How much do you want to get, how much do you want to get out of trouble? Make a decision on that. Amen? So do you understand now why Jesus is bringing out this whole new way of thinking? Because he's saying, I need you to think different. I need you to be different. Because there's coming a time when you'll be a brand new creation. And all of this old stuff will be gone. And you'll need to think differently. You are now children of God. No longer slaves, but sons. Remember that? So we need to behave that way. And the girls too, remember the son lives in you. There's no distinction. You don't get a lesser anything. Amen? Which is also the answer to this whole equality thing. It's not what's on the outside. It's who's on the inside. Hello? Which part of Jesus are you going to say no to? Ha. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Just saying. All right. So, to further... How much time do I have left? I've totally lost track of time. You lost track of time too. Where are we? Oh, three minutes. Ah, oh, naughty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, right? It just one more thing. When when they, when he says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, be careful what you pray for them. Because a lot of people, I have heard people saying that, oh, just you just need to pray blessing on them. God just bless them in spite of what they did for me. Just bless them. Is not a prayer God can honor. Because God can't go against his word that says, you know, whatever you sow, you reap. He's not going to say, oh, you sowed this. Oh, you know, but Sister Sarah, she prayed. So it's okay. Not that she will, by the way. Okay, she's too smart to do this. But oh, because I'll just forget all the stuff I said before and I'll just do this anyway. I'll just bless them and let them know that they can be, you know, turkey and still get blessed. Is not what happens. Do you, do you understand? You can't pray against God's word. So when it says pray for those who spitefully use you and all that stuff. It's saying pray that the eyes of their understanding are open. That they understand that there is a consequence to every action. And that they are sowing really, really bad seeds. And it's going to come up with a really bad crop. Amen? Amen. And they need to open up. They need to just wake up to themselves and stop doing this. That's the prayer. Does that bless you? Does that help you? Amen. Jesus, you know, we really need to understand the wisdom behind everything he says. Because the other thing is, when you do that, then you are letting go of whatever sin they committed against you. Amen. You're not getting trapped in that. You are now praying, God, please help them. Because what they did to me is not just what they're doing to me. They're obviously doing it to other people as well. It's a lifestyle. Amen? And they need to change it if they want to be blessed. That's how you move on from it. Amen? Amen. Okay, we'll stop there. When we come back, we will pick up in Matthew chapter 6, because the next chapter goes on to talk about doing good with the wrong motive. Let's have every head bowed every eye closed <laughs> yeah, before I start preaching again. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for this insight, this understanding.